This hour of Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Tucson Federal Credit Union and the Volpe team at Nova Home Loans. Now back to Spears and Ali on 1490 AM, 94.9 HD Channel 4 ESPN Tucson. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson, 1490 AM, 94.9 HD Channel 4. If you have an HD radio, hit us up over there. And we're streaming everywhere, like uh, ESPNTucson.com, the ESPN Tucson mobile app. Yeah, those are those are considered everywhere, right? And then uh, we're also on your Alexa-enabled devices. So if you have a Echo Dot at home, all you got to do is download the ESPN Tucson skill and just say, Alexa, open ESPN Tucson, and you can listen to us from the comfort of your home, garage, wherever. And as always, you can subscribe, rate, and comment the Spears and Dolly podcast located wherever you listen to podcasts. Got another full show today. No Ollie Farhang in the building, but uh, we still have lots to discuss. Uh, crazy, crazy last couple of days in the NBA. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. Plus, we'll get into LeBron James and his ankle injury. Damian Lillard dropping 71 points the other day, but then also coming out and saying... Hey, I know people want to see me compete for a a title contender, but, you know, the grass ain't always greener on the other side. Uh, I I think Damian Lillard's comments are very commendable. Uh, You have to appreciate that guy's loyalty to the Portland Trailblazers. And I feel bad for Portland because they never, or I feel bad for Dame, I should say, because it seems like the, the Portland Trailblazers never really made that great of an effort to make Portland a title contender, but we'll we'll get into uh, you know the latest happenings in the NBA at the top of the four o'clock hour, and then uh, at the top of the five o'clock hour we will discuss the Pac-12 Player of the Year race. What is it going to take for Azulus Tubelis to hold off Jaime Jaquez, or is it the other way around? Because you look at the last month, Jaime Jaquez has been playing terrific basketball, and I'm not saying that Azulus Tubelis is god awful, but we saw how he played in that game this past weekend against ASU. The Pac-12 Player of the Year, uh, last time I checked, doesn't get subbed in and out uh, for defensive reasons, right? And uh, Tommy Lloyd was very critical about uh, Azulus Tubelis' defense. So when it comes to the Pac-12 Player of the Year race, you know we, we know that Azulus Tubelis has been a great player all season long, but, man, he's really been in a different mindset lately and I it, I think that he's going to have to have a big week if he wants to secure that Pac-12 player of the year but we'll get into the race and all of that at the top of the four, uh, five o'clock hour and I'm very excited for uh, today's lineup of guests uh, at 525 or excuse me at 325 we're going to have uh, Levi Wallace Tucson native current member of the Pittsburgh Steelers of course I have a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers come on the show the day that Ali Farhang isn't, isn't here. And I told Ali, because Ali has this theory in his head that I like to book certain guests on days that he's not here, right? And so, of course, all the, the days you know we have a Pittsburgh Steeler on, I told Ali yesterday, hey, just so you know, I wanted to do Monday or Wednesday or whatever day you were here, but... He said he was only available for Tuesday, okay? Please don't hate me, but I have Levi Wallace joining the show. And he's like, oh, that's fine. And I'm like, okay, all right. But if I didn't if I didn't tell you now, you would have gave me a bunch of crap for it. So just letting you know, 
No, Ollie Farhang was really cool about it. But I'm very excited to have Levi Wallace join join the show today uh, to talk He's about. Be real pissed when we have Tomlin on on Thursday. Right? Yeah, we got Mike Tomlin joining us uh, t- tomorrow because uh, Ollie's uh, only going to be able to do the show on Thursday and Friday from the Kolagar Classic. So yeah, we got Mike Tomlin coming on the show on Wednesday. We got Bill Cower coming on right after him. Uh, then we have Jerome Bettis, the bus. <laughs> And Troy Palomalu, he's going to be talking about his uh, great new hair products uh, for <laughs> during his off-season time or his retirement. But no, we're gonna ha- we're gonna talk to Levi Wallace and t- talk about his uh, first year with the Pittsburgh Steelers and also his off-season. And I want to get his perspective on fellow Tucson native Blake Martinez really making a name in the Pokemon card trading industry. And then uh, later on this hour, Shotgun Spratling, great name. He is a reporter uh, who is based out in Los Angeles, covers the USC Trojans for 247sports.com. He will give us a little behind enemy lines perspective on Arizona's upcoming opponent in the USC Trojans on Thursday at the Galen Center. And then uh, in the 4 o'clock hour, we will have uh, Brendan Deeg, football editor from The Score. He will join the show to... Talk about Carson Wentz being cut by the Washington Seawards. And then Jordan Love, is he ready to be a starter? Well, the Packers general manager said that he is ready. And are the Green Bay Packers ready to move on from Aaron Rodgers and officially launch the Jordan Love era? We'll talk to Brendan about all of that. And, of course, today is Top 5 Tuesday. And Andrew... Uh, I think I think we actually might have gotten some uh, some misinformation. It was like two weeks ago, I think it was. Some fake news. Uh, fake news. You know, we're, we're, we don't like to promote fake news, but I will say this: the we did have a little bit of misinformation. I think it was two weeks ago because I think we were promoting National Pancake Day. Today's oh. today's actually National Pancake Day. Yeah. I looked it up. Today is is, is actually uh, the, the National Pancake Day, or at least the the International House of Pancakes. They are honoring National Pancake Day today. Um, so if um, if you're a pancake enthusiast, make sure you tip your IHOP waiter or waitress very well today, because a lot of people are going in and getting a glass of water and a free short stack of pancakes, and it's all free. So please. Uh, just huh. pay pay your your servers nicely. No, you know what it was. Two weeks ago, or whenever it was that we said it was, was International Pancake Day. Ooh, this is National Pancake. This is National Pancake yeah. Day. I love that they're like a week and a half apart too. I know that is the case. Can't get enough of it, man. Yeah. Got to go back. So, with that being said, Andrew, uh, we are going to rank for Top Five Tuesday, Top Five Breakfast Foods. Ooh, top. Is. Like top, or I should say breakfast foods, top five like breakfast meals, period. Like if you were to choose like your style of breakfast, which one are you choosing? Pancakes to me does not make the list. Well, technically. Does a McGriddle count as a pancake? <laughs> <laughs> the, the breading is a little bit like a pancake. I'm, I'm kind of exposing my top five here, but yeah, I, I love McGriddles at McDonald's. Those things are fantastic. Are those are, are those considered pancakes? How in the hell is a McGriddle above pancakes in your mind? We can go over this later, but like, what? <laughs> yeah, man. I love McGriddles. Anyways, all right, let's go to top three headlines heading into today.
One. One. All right, it's official. Kevin Durant will make his debut tomorrow against the Charlotte Hornets. Were you trying to hit a button or something? Okay. <laughs> I, I hit it and just nothing happened. I think I have to restart this computer. One you, second. You know what it reminded me of when, uh, was it 21 Jump Street, when they're like anticipating the bomb? And they're like looking back and then nothing happens. And they're like, really? Yeah. That, that it didn't happen? But yeah, Kevin Durant uh, will officially make his debut uh, tomorrow for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, KD, obviously the the big name that was in the, the blockbuster trade deadline. And Kevin Durant, I think, is will go down as one of the biggest trades, if not the biggest trade, in Arizona sports history. And honestly, as a... As a basketball fan, right, it's it's widely known that I'm a Lakers fan. But just as a basketball fan, period, I'm very excited to see what the Phoenix Suns are capable of with Kevin Durant. And I know that people are talking about the Denver Nuggets and Nikola Jokic, and rightfully so, right? Uh, we, we could talk about Nikola Jokic and, and what he's been able to do over the last several years, including this year. And I think the Denver Nuggets are going to be a really good team and, and a title contender but this year, the Phoenix Suns adding a caliber of player like a Kevin Durant, to me this showed that uh, their new owner, Matt Ishbia, he's going all in. I mean, he his first day on the job, he holds a press conference and says, I like our roster. I think we can contend for a championship right now. I'm not going to make any moves to this roster unless I know it's a championship move. He says that, and then hours later, you got Shams and Woj tweeting the 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 bombs on Twitter that Kevin Durant will be going to the Phoenix Suns, or the Suns are nearing a deal to acquire Kevin Durant. And so Matt Ishbia, I mean, just day one on the job as the new owner, is already making moves to get a guy like Kevin Durant. And, you know, we, we talked about the you know, the possibilities of getting Kevin Durant to the Valley during the summer, right? That was, you know, what everyone was talking about in July was, oh, will KD make his way to the Valley? What's going to happen with Kyrie Irving? Will he end up with the Lakers? People were wondering what's going to happen with the Brooklyn Nets and ultimately what's going to happen with their two stars, especially Kevin Durant. And then nothing happened. And then it just went back to, okay, well, we're going to, see if we can make this work. And I, I think eventually what happened with the Brooklyn Nets was Kevin Durant couldn't really trust the other players around him. You couldn't you couldn't trust Ben Simmons and all the other guys, and you can't trust Kyrie Irving's availability. And Kyrie Irving, he went to the Brooklyn Nets for an office and said, hey, guys, I think I've shown you guys enough that I need a contract extension. And... Joe Sy and everyone involved with the Brooklyn Nets was like, nah, not really, because, I mean, during this entire time, you and KD together have only played just a handful of games. We have, In four years, Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving, I think, have played like, what, 72 or 74 games? That's just, In four years, those two have only played that many games together. So it, it's very seldom that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving – share the court on a consistent level. And Kyrie Irving decided, okay, you know what? I'm going to go to the front office. I'm going to ask for this money. The Brooklyn Nets didn't want to give it to him. 
and said, why don't you make it to the end of the season? Why don't you continue to show us that we are willing to give you this kind of money? Make us believe in you. And Kyrie Irving was like, ah, well, you know what? No, I'm going to request that trade. And KD, was he saw the writing on the wall. He said, you know what? Rather than continue to trust this incompetent front office that is the Brooklyn Nets, rather than continuing to trust this supporting cast that seems to really go nowhere, I need to find my way out. And so he put in that trade request. The Brooklyn Nets and Phoenix Suns got to talking, and they shipped off Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, and picks to Brooklyn, and they got KD to Phoenix. Uh, now, for the Phoenix Suns, this completely opened up the championship window for them. You know, a window that once seemed slammed shut has now been reopened. And you know what? In the process, they didn't have to give up DeAndre Ayton, and they didn't have to give up Chris Paul. And that's the thing is, remember back in July when these conversations started, the Brooklyn Nets, they wanted DeAndre Ayton. They wanted potentially a guy like Chris Paul. The Suns got rid of neither of those guys, and they got Kevin Durant. So I think that it, it was such a big win for the Phoenix Suns. And like I said, I know that the, the Denver Nuggets are the top team in the Western Conference. They earned that right to be labeled as a title contender. But in my honest opinion, you know, Devin Booker, the, the all-star guard that he is, DeAndre Ayton, the, the walking double-double that he is, and then Kevin Durant, the 34-year-old, and, and I know that he's all, he's not getting any younger, but he's still one of the elite players in today's NBA. And good news for Chris Paul, he doesn't need to be the number two option. Sometimes he doesn't even need to be the number three option. And it just, it, it, honestly, as a basketball fan, I'm very excited to see the number of things that this offense can do uh, with the Phoenix Suns. So if you're a Phoenix Suns fan, get excited because it's going to be a lot of fun here moving forward. But Kevin Durant will be officially making his Phoenix Suns debut tomorrow when the Phoenix Suns visit the Charlotte Hornets. And we'll have that game getting started right here on ESPN Tucson. Coverage getting started at 5 o'clock. All right, uh, also real quick, uh, another Phoenix Suns headline. The New York Knicks signed former Suns guard Dwayne Washington. Really happy to see uh, Dwayne get another gig. All right, let's go to headline number two. 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 So the... NCAA panel, they're about to meet in Indianapolis uh, this week. Uh, you know, some of the top college football leaders, right, people who, you know, make all the rule changes and people who oversee all the, the details that go on in college football, well, they're actually thinking about making a change to the clock in college football beginning in 2024. So it won't happen this year. But... They're thinking about making college football a little bit shorter, or at least games go by a little bit faster. And what I mean by that is that the NCAA panel, they're looking uh, to have the clock continue after first downs with the exception of the last two minutes of the first half and the second half. So in college football right now, there's a first down, the clock stops. Now, or in 2024, there's the possibility that it does not stop unless it's the last two minutes of the first half and the second half, uh, which I think is is really cool because, you know, college football games are just so damn long. 
And of course, you know, you want to be able to control the uh, clock and manipulate it and, uh, you know, you know, like I said, control it in late game situations or whether it's in, you know, the first half or the second half. And honestly, just from a viewer standpoint, I, I think it's just it's so much better for the sport because college football games are so long now. I mean, they're with media timeouts, with commercials and all that. I mean, college football games are like they're like baseball games now, <laughs> like four four hours, you know, four and a half hours. Like these games are super long. So um, I think you know making these kind of rules, these kind of tweaks, I think is only uh, great for the game. Uh, but yeah, Steve Shaw, the NCAA football secretary rules editor and officials coordinator, he actually told ESPN uh, earlier to earlier today that the uh, combined changes are estimated to uh, shorten average length of games by seven to eight minutes and eight plays. And college football games, they've averaged 180 plays per game over the past three regular seasons and typically last three hours and 21 minutes. And Shaw said, uh, quote, a year or so ago, we began to pivot away from just worrying about the clock to the number of plays per game, student-athlete exposures, and that has really become more the direction now led by our commissioners. With the focus on player health and safety in the CFP and extended playoff, which could create more games for players, it's appropriate to look at what are these numbers of student-athlete exposures. So great for the committee to uh, look at this rule and possibly make that change for 2024. All right, let's go to headline number three. 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 Last but certainly not least, Arizona softball pitcher Devin Nets was named Pac-12 Player of the Week after her impressive performance at the Arkansas Invitational, or the Razorback Invitational in Arkansas this past week. And, you know, Devin Nets, not only did she get it done in the circle, but she also got it done at the plate as well. Devin Nets pitched 16 and two-thirds innings, allowing five earned runs, and, and she also struck out nine batters this weekend in Arkansas. And then at the plate, Devin Nets had four home runs, 10 RBIs. So... Not only did she pitch well, but she also hit well, and she was a big reason why Arizona had some success in Arkansas this past weekend. So shout-out to Devin Nets, Arizona softball star, for being named Pac-12 Player of the Week. All right, coming up next on Spears and Ali, we got a very special guest joining us. Levi Wallace, Tucson native and Pittsburgh Steeler, joins the show to recap his first year with Pittsburgh. Stay tuned. More Spears and Ali coming up next. Spears. Justin Spears, I like that. And Ali. I want to be entertaining, but I'm not stupid enough to compare myself to Ali. We'll be right back on 1490 AM ESPN Tucson. You are listening to Spears and Ali on ESPN Radio. Got a very special guest joining us right now. Levi Wallace, Pittsburgh Steeler and Tucson native. Levi, what's up, my man? How's it going? going on Doing good. Thank you for joining us today. It's been a while. Uh, so I think the last time we spoke to you, you know, you were right there in the middle of your first season with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So now that you look back, you know, what, what's it been like for you and, and how would you describe just the overall experience being a part of the Steelers organization? Yeah. Um, I think first, you know, talking about the organization, uh, it's an amazing organization, you know, uh, from top to bottom. Uh, from Mr. Rooney to Coach Tomlin uh, to the players that we have in the organization to the training staff. I mean, all in all, really great organization to be a part of. Um, and there's so much history and culture around Pittsburgh uh, as well. And so it's it's 
I, I enjoyed my time in Pittsburgh, you know, in the first year. Um, definitely a lot of ups and downs uh, throughout the season. But uh, we finished on a high note, and it's something to building forward to, looking forward to next year. When you talk about the, the ups and the downs, what are you referring to? Just, the, you know, how we started the season off a little slow um, and then kind of picked up towards the end, uh, you know, in, in the win-lose column, you know, and we were uh, a game away from making the playoffs. And so, like I said, it's something to build into going into next season, kind of keeping that momentum. And so you joined the the Pittsburgh Steelers after, you know, spending, you know, the first part of your NFL career with the Buffalo Bills. Was it a difficult transition for you because I mean, these are two totally different organizations, you know, and but but yet this is still the NFL. You still have to perform at a high level regardless of where you're at. So what was the the transition process like for you going from Buffalo to Pittsburgh? Yeah, it was it was smooth. Uh I mean, smoother than most that I've heard um, with other people have went through. And so uh, it, I, it wasn't too much trouble. I think the, the main thing for me was learning the playbook um, and the system and how I fit and all that. Um, but the coaches did an amazing job, you know, trusting me because um, I wasn't in OTAs for the most part. At the beginning, I was still out here in Arizona. Um, I got just bought my house last year. And so I was furnishing all that. And so, you know, Zoom calls and stuff, learning a new playbook and, and seeing uh, how the pieces all fit in the puzzle. Um, but they did a great job of just coaching me through it and helping me through it. And um, in a couple of short months, you know, I ended up getting the playbook. And, and then it's just repetition after repetition to getting comfortable in it. So, Also, uh, over the last couple of years, you've really um, immersed yourself in the golf scene. Uh, you become a really big golfer. You've you know, hosted a number of uh, charity golf events. What can you tell us about where you're at right now with golf and, and maybe some events that you're hosting? Yeah, we have one coming up this weekend, actually, here in Phoenix um, at Raven Golf Course. Um, it should be super dope. I mean, uh, the courses, we have spots all packed up and everything. Um, some players come from out of town playing it as well. It uh, should be a great event. As far as my golf, Man, I don't know what happened because, you know, I, I usually don't play during season, especially up north, you know, where it's cold and snowy and just can't never get out. And so uh, I got back here not so long ago and I kind of lost it for a second, but it's just like riding a bike. Now I've I've slowly got my game back. I'm actually going to go play tomorrow, get a little practice round in with some of my buddies. So I'm feeling good about this tournament. We should win. Last year we didn't do so hot. So uh, I'm looking forward to winning at least my tournament this year. <laughs> when you said uh, you kind of lost it a little bit, what what was uh, maybe you know something that was bad about your game or something that you needed to fix? Man, it's just I think for me it was just the consistency wasn't there anymore. Like I said, it's it's a it's a learned skill. You have to keep doing it, and so being locked up, you know, and having my golf club staying inside, you know, I wasn't practicing my swing too much, and so. When I got back out here the first couple of weeks, I'm like, man, do, do I not know how to golf anymore? <laughs> and so I, I changed. I ended up changing my grip maybe this past week. And man, uh, it's and I think it was my original grip, and then I changed it midway, um, like last year maybe. And so I went back to it, and man, I'm 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 hitting these balls super far now. And so I'm feeling comfortable again. When did you? 
start, first start playing golf? Uh, I know that, you know, the, over the last couple of years, it's really amplified, but did, were you ever a player growing up? No, I just started, uh, I want to say 2020 is when I first started, wow. when I first picked up golf. Yeah, not too long ago. So, And uh, I took one lesson okay. out in Hawaii and kind of taught myself the rest, me and YouTube and Tiger Woods videos, you know? Okay. Are are you like me? Are is one of your biggest life regrets not taking golf seriously as a kid? Well, you know what? I I never looked. I was playing so many other sports growing up that I never even paid attention to golf. Um, and it's just something that either you get introduced to or or you don't. Yeah. Um. And so my my parents didn't play. Um. And I was so active with football and basketball, track, baseball, all the other sports that. You know, golf wasn't really like a competitive sport to me in the time. Uh, and I'm a big team type of guy, so um, that's just kind of where I put my focus and time and energy into. Levi Wallace from the Pittsburgh Steelers joining Spears and Ali on ESPN Radio. So, uh, Levi, going back to the, the football side of things, uh, now that you're, you're getting ready for your second year with the Steelers, where, where's your mindset at right now, and, and how do you feel about the, the franchise moving forward? Uh, for me, as of today, where my mindset's at, um, I'm, I took, I usually take a, a month off and let my body recover from the season. Um, and do like light workouts, like Pilates or cycling, um, yoga, you know, just light stuff, light workouts. Uh, just kind of try to give my body time to rest and heal. So, um, starting next week is when I go back and, and get back into the groove of training and stuff. And, you know, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, and we don't play for a long time until September. And so it, I just kind of ease back into it. You know, i got to reset and refocus going into year six now, which is crazy to think about where's the time gone. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that, that's that's my mindset right now um, as far as the franchise moving forward. Uh, the Steelers have always been really good um, at winning seasons, Coach Tomlin's yet to have a losing season and so um i think we're i think we're in a good place you know we got free agency coming up we got the draft coming up um to add some more pieces uh to the puzzle but uh i like where we're at thus far and you know we'll continue to keep getting better um each and every day in the off season otas and kind of go into the season uh, on a positive mindset so what did you take away from your first season playing under a, a head coach like a like Mike Tomlin? Because, man, he's he, – I, mean, I know a lot of coaches are like this in the NFL, but, man, he seems like a bottom-line guy. However, he's going to love you no matter what. Yeah, Coach T is, is honestly one of my favorite people in the world, man. He's super funny, uh, super cool. I mean, he just, just tells you how it is, honestly. Um and you want a coach like that, you know, um, someone who just supports you in all that you do. And he always says he doesn't care where good ideas come from. And he's always willing to, to listen and, and, and learn as well as teach and develop. So it's dope having a player or a coach's player like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, a player's coach. Um, and it's just, you know, just connection and, and bonding. You know, it's, it's super fun to be a part of his team and the program. And like I said, from the bottom to the top, they have an amazing training staff as well. And so it's just super fun to be a part of. 
do you pay attention to the the offseason stuff that that goes on? I mean, of course you want to see what the Steelers are doing, but do you uh, monitor what guys like Aaron Rodgers and all those guys are up to? I don't, man. I I try to take myself away from football as much as possible. It's, I think you think about football for for half the year and you're locked in, and that's just all you do, right? And so you you're so into that universe each and every day for months at a time. And so when it's time to take a break, I, I definitely do that and take a break. You know what I mean? That's um, easy for me to do that. Um, and I've, I've had good practice at it now. So um, it's important just to get away from the game. So whatever happens on in other guys' lives, I usually just pay attention to myself and try to be around my family and be in the moment of, of the people that are around me and people that love me and support me. Well, you're doing big things uh, right now, playing in the NFL, obviously with with your uh, charitable organizations. Uh, so, I obviously we applaud you here down in Tucson. We love you, Levi. Always appreciate you. But you know, there's another Tucsonan that's going to be making uh, a name here very soon in the National Football League, and his name is Bajan Robinson, uh, looking to be a first round pick out of Texas. Played at South Point Catholic. I'm just curious, from your perspective, what have you seen from a player like Bajan? And, you know, what kind of player is he and what does he bring to an NFL organization? Yeah, so I've, I've only seen bits and pieces of him. You know, obviously Alabama played Texas this year, and that's where I usually put my time, you know, with college football on Alabama. Um, but me and him talk occasionally. I mean, first and foremost, really good dude off the field as well as on the field, great teammate, um, uh, great Christian I mean, just, just a really good dude, stand-up guy who just loves people around him. And so uh, whatever team drafts him, they're getting a real good stand-up guy, and that's just off the field, person who's involved in the community as well. Uh, on the field, I mean, he's he's that guy, man. He's, he has everything that you'd want in a running back. He's super strong, um, fast. I mean, he doesn't look like he's really running. He just glides, and he pulls away from people. And so... I'm excited to see his career, man. I can't wait to play against him, get his jersey for sure. Um, and, you know, that's the goal. You, you We want more and more Tucson guys to make it in whatever they're doing. Uh, NFL, NBA, you know, doctors, lawyers. I mean, that's the whole goal, um, just to get more successful men and women in Tucson. And so I yeah. applaud him for all the hard work that he's put in. And I can't wait to see him at the next level. Levi Wallace, Tucson native and Pittsburgh Steeler, joining Spears and Ali on ESPN Radio. Uh, Levi, before we let you go, I know you uh, talked about your uh, golf tournament that you have coming up, but anything that you want to promote in regards to the Levi Wallace Foundation or, or anything that you're a part of? Man, that, that's what we got going on right now. Um, we actually are scheduling the rest of the year coming up. We have a meeting tomorrow night. Um, so stay tuned. You know, you can always go on LeviWallace.org. Uh, for upcoming events, for previous events, things we're doing in the community, you know, we could always use volunteers. Um, but we're just trying to give back as much as possible. So please look for those updates. I mean, type your name in the contact form. You know, we'll shoot out newsletters and all that to keep people posted on things we're doing. But um, the community support that we have thus far is, is amazing. And we just continue to hope to grow and, and continue to create change in, in Tucson community. No doubt. Levi, you're the man. Always appreciate your time. We we appreciate you, and uh, looking forward to seeing you the next time. Yes, sir, Mr. Spears. Appreciate you as well. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, don't go anywhere. More Spears and Ali coming up next.
Right now, it's just like, hey, I would like to uh, hit a golf ball through a windmill with you. <laughs> and, and get a pretzel. Oh, and, and get... you didn't say anything about the pretzel. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> that changes everything. Oh, oh my dude. goodness. I feel like a fool. <laughs> That's what I got. We're getting tickets for skeetball. <laughs> Arizona taking on USC in basketball on Thursday at the, the Galen Center. And it should be a good one, man. I'm excited for this game. Uh, we're going to talk about what's new with the Trojans with our good friend Shotgun Spratling from 247sports.com. Shotgun, always a pleasure talking hoops with you. But first and foremost, you know, you're a seam head. You're, you're a big-time baseball guy. So now that it's officially college baseball season, what's the grind been like for you? Uh, not too much of a grind yet because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the Northeast, so, uh, not a ton of games around. I actually did get to see West Virginia before they came out to play Arizona. They played in Maryland. That's the one game I've been able to see in person. I've watched probably 3,000 games, uh, on streams, uh, in different areas. Um, just, you know, jonesing to be out to get out to the ballpark, uh, but not a ton of games up here in the Northeast right now with, uh, with the weather that it is. Everyone uh, schedules out the beginning of the schedule to go travel everywhere else. So, I'm waiting, uh, waiting with bated breath to, to be able to get out full time, which will probably happen right after USC's uh, Pac-12 or NCAA tournament run ends. I'll, I'll get out for a, a ton of games then. What's your uh, before we get into basketball? What's just kind of your your overall perspective on the Pac-12 and specifically Arizona going into this college baseball season? I mean, the Pac-12 is going to be pretty deep again this year. I mean, I think there's six to eight teams that are viable contenders that should be in the mix to be in the uh, NCAA tournament, uh, you know, uh, field. Um, and then what does that bottom half do? Does it really bring them down? Does USC, the Utahs, that, those teams, can they up their play in the non-conference to really bolster the resumes of some of those other teams? And, you know, as a team like Washington State or Cal, do they make that big jump? Maybe even Washington, you know, in their first year under head coach uh, Jason Kelly. You know, I think there's a lot of intriguing teams this year. And I think it's pretty open, to be honest. I know Stanford was the pick coming in, but they lost so much from last year's team. And UCLA has, you know, a a lot of new pieces as well, guys that are kind of stepping in a new role. So I think it's pretty wide open right now with, with the amount of pieces that were lost last year in the Pac-12. I think it's going to be super competitive. I think Arizona obviously got to figure out the kind of the bullpen issues that they've had, some uh, some stuff with T.J. Nichols, the way he looked on opening day. I mean, that is a huge uh, you know sigh of relief, but also uh, an excitement point uh, to see what he did against an offense like Tennessee's. I think you got to be really excited about what he can do at the front of the rotation to make that Friday night kind of feel like, okay, that's going to be an automatic win almost every uh, week that you try them out. As long as your bullpen doesn't give it up and as long as your bullpen doesn't let someone steal home on you, you know, like uh, they did against West Virginia. So, uh, you know, I, I think Arizona is going to bounce back from that West Virginia series. I thought it was a pretty competitive series. I think they'll be uh, a team to, to keep an eye on throughout the season. Shotgun Spratling joining Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson. All right, now let's talk some basketball. So Arizona taking on USC at the Galen Center in L.A., and, you know, this is the second time these two teams have played against each other. The first time around, Arizona uh, kind of cruised by USC, 81-66. to 66. You know, Boogie Ellis, he was only 2-for-11 uh, from the field in that game, finished with 11 points. But ever since that game, Boogie Ellis has been arguably the top point guard in the Pac-12. I mean, he's 
in the, the Pac-12 Player of the Year race. I mean, of course, it's going to come down to Jaime Jaquez and Azulis Tubelas. But Boogie Ellis has been fantastic for USC. What's been different with him since the last time Arizona and USC met? I mean, he's just shooting with a ton of confidence. I mean, and I want to make some grand, uh, you know, summarization of why this game should be different. And, you know, but I think it just comes down to Drew Peterson and Boogie Ellis. If they go seven for 25 and two for nine from three-point range, then USC has no chance. And that's kind of what happened. You know, uh, Arizona jumps out big early and just kind of held it there between 12 and 18 points the rest of the game. And, you know, it never was a game after that. USC can never make a real run because, you know, you had Courtney Rainey on the other side knocking down a three almost every single time it felt like. So kind of this game comes down to, hey, who, who makes their threes? You know, when Arizona struggles to make threes, they're not a very good team. Even though they have Azulis Tabellas and Omar Ballo, they just kind of forget about those guys a little bit and get shot happy trying to, okay, the next one's going to go in, next one's going to go in. Um, and, and when it doesn't, you know, they can, you know, can shoot themselves out of games that way. And USC's the same way. When they've shot the ball well, they've just been a completely different team. They've shot the ball pretty well the last two weeks uh, for sure and, you know, extended for the last a month or so. Um, so, you know, Boogie Ellis has been the leader of that, though. He's the guy that you know he can get a shot off whenever he wants to both him and Drew Peterson and he's just had the hot hand you know outside of the the Oregon State game that was the only other game that that uh, he struggled and he scored nine points in that game and USC lost and uh, inexplicably lost to Oregon State so it's really you know USC has, has really gone this season how Boogie Ellis goes to a greater greater extent it's, it's Boogie Ellis and Drew Peterson but when you look at the stats it's Boogie Ellis when he when he's on when when USC wins he scores uh, around 18 points a game. When USC loses, he scores around 13 to 14. So it's really, as he goes, go the Trojans, and that's been the big thing. He's been hot, and so have the Trojans recently. So USC currently sits at 21-8 and eight overall, uh, the 13-5 and five in the conference. Uh, I mean, they're, they're third right now, you know, in, in the Pac-12 standings. But, of course, you know, people – you know, want to maybe discredit the Pac-12 a little bit and kind of view it as top-heavy, that Arizona and UCLA are, you know, the, the clear-cut, you know, representatives in the NCAA tournament. In your opinion, what makes USC a tournament team, and where do they stand right now with the bracketology and all of that? Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's start with saying they're not third. They are tied for second. Now, Arizona does have the tiebreaker, obviously, from that first game. They're tied <laughs> with Arizona after Arizona lost on that ridiculous shot by Desmond Cambridge, um, which was being tied with Arizona, the number eight team in the, in the country was 24 and five. And obviously USC's non-conference wasn't as good as Arizona's, but it is kind of baffling that USC is still being bantied around as a, uh, you know, a first four in team or yeah. just the, the last four uh, buys team. If you look at their resume and compare it to, to some of the other teams that are in that conversation, like West Virginia. Now I know West Virginia got another good win last night, but they're, I think six and 11 in conference. Like how do you go six and 11 in your conference? And I know the big 12 is much better this season, much deeper than the pac 12. But how do you go six and eleven and be like, yeah, that's a that's a team that definitely needs to be in the tournament? Um, and USC's being mentioned in the same conversation as some of those teams. I think that they're not getting enough respect for for what they've been doing. But I think they are playing uh, playing some of their best basketball at the right time, going on the road and sweeping the mountain uh, mountain road trip was huge for them last week. And if I think they get one of the two games against Arizona Arizona State, I think that that will get them in. Pretty much solidifies it, barring a you know a bad loss in the in the. Con- conference tournament, uh, depending on how the seeding kind of shakes out there. But I, I think that they should be in the tournament. I think they're definitely a deserving team. If you watch them, you know, if you watch them with a full roster, 
you know, when they've gotten Vince Uwachuku back and they've had, you know, they lost for a little while, they lost Joshua Morgan and Reese Dixon Waters. When they have had a full roster, they're eight and one. And they've got some decent wins in there. The only loss in that stretch is at Arizona. And obviously that is not a bad loss on your resume if you're looking at just straight, you know, what they've done with their full roster. And that's hard to, you know, go through an entire, you know, uh, 100 teams and look at which games they had a full roster, which games they were missing someone type of thing. But USC has been really good when they've had a full roster, and they've shown it the last couple weeks with the way that they played on the road against Utah and and Colorado. And before that, you know, taking care of business against Colorado, or excuse me, Cal and Stanford, when those are teams that have snuck up on USC in past years. Those are teams that have hung around and hung around. It's been very tight at the end. No, both of those, they've had four straight double-digit wins. So I think that shows that they are playing some of their best basketball right now now shotgun spratling from 247sports.com joining spears and ali on espn radio be sure to follow him on twitter as well and check out his coverage when the arizona wildcats take on the usc trojans shotgun always a pleasure talking usc hoops with you uh take care of yourself and have a great rest of your week thanks again for having me thanks shotgun arizona versus usc in la this thursday tip-off is 9 p.m. you got to get the coffee pots ready for that one. Uh, 9 p.m. on Thursday against USC, 8 p.m. on Saturday against UCLA. A couple of late games ahead for the Arizona Wildcats. All right, before we go to commercial break, ESPN Tucson has great deals for you from local businesses. Right now, you can find half-off deals from Bookstore Southwest Adult Shop, Coffee Exchange Bistro, Allure Medical, Miller Surplus, The Landing, and more. Find out the latest half-price Friday deals and save some money seven days a week at ESPNTucson.com. Don't go anywhere. More Spears and Ali coming up next. Spears. Justin Spears, I like that. And Ali. I want to be entertaining, but I'm not stupid enough to compare myself to Ali. We'll be right back on 1490 AM ESPN Tucson. One last segment of the first hour of today's Spears and Ali, and uh, we're going to talk about the future of the Pac-12. What the hell is going down in the Conference of Champions? Well, uh, according to Brett McMurphy, longtime uh, college reporter, insider, um, you know, he recently went on a podcast and said that the uh, the the Pac-12 presidents and the the CEO group they're trying to figure out a way to stay in the Pac-12, but George Klyavkov has to present a media rights deal to them by some point next week. Um, and so we could be figuring out the, the future of the Pac-12 in about seven or so days, um, which is crazy to me because I'm not very optimistic about the Pac-12. Uh, because when you think about all the different media companies and who they have partnered with, do they view the Pac-12 as a product in which they're willing to write off a bunch of money to and produce content or create content? And to me, like, you know, the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, you know, all these other Power Five conferences, they've partnered up with these with these media companies, and the Pac-12, they're just kind of playing catch-up or trying to take whatever they can get and the Foxes, the CBSs, the ESPNs, like they don't really want anything to do 
with the Pac-12. So now you have George Klyavkov, the Pac-12 commissioner, going to Apple TV, going to all of these streaming services. And yes, streaming is the norm nowadays. However, live sports, sporting events, it's not going to be strictly on streaming services. Yes, the 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 smaller games, right? The the non-conference games that like Arizona basketball plays, I'm sure will be, you know, on on you know certain streaming platforms. But you know, big Pac-12 games, do you really want to bury it behind streaming services? I mean, isn't that a big reason why the Pac-12 network kind of failed? Is because it was hard to get to. You know, a lot of people they have their certain ways of watching content. And I'm I'm pretty sure they'd much rather just kind of turn on their cable subscriber or whatever and find their their teams to watch that way. Uh, to me, going streaming only is a death sentence to the Pac-12. And if George Klyavkov doesn't pull a miracle out of his keister by sometime next week, I think the the Pac-12 might be looking to to part ways. Or disperse. And uh, according to multiple reports out there, the Big 12 is expecting to potentially pick up a couple of Pac-12 teams. Like, the Big 12 is already starting to prepare. This is how much other conferences don't, I guess, uh, think that the Pac-12's future is bright. That they're already preparing to pick up Pac-12 teams. And you best believe if the Pac-12 ultimately blows up Arizona to the Big 12. Arizona, ASU, they're going to go to the Big 12. And yes, it, it, while it's not ideal, yes, I know that when you think about conference opponents, you think about the West Coast footprint, but times are changing. And Arizona, obviously, is a basketball school. This is a basketball move for the Arizona Wildcats. And they can still compete in the Big 12 when it comes to football, but this is a basketball move for Arizona. I would love to see Arizona compete against Kansas a couple times a year. I would love to see them compete against Oklahoma State. Um, you know, other Big 12 programs, Kansas State has an unbelievable uh, basketball atmosphere. Baylor, all of these schools are great for the Big 12. I mean, shoot, you have BYU about to join the Big 12. Potentially, Gonzaga in the future could be added to the Big 12 as a basketball-only school. So, I love the Conference of Champions. I'm wearing a Pac-12 shirt right now. But, my goodness, it does not look good. If you want to call in and talk about it, 719-1490 is that phone number. Hour number two coming up next.